Welcome everyone to this episode of the Spiritual Leaders Podcast. The guest that I have with me for this episode is Shona Gates. Welcome Shona. Hi Rachel, I'm so excited to be here. I'm super excited too. So Shona is a money mindset expert and business coach and we're going to talk all things money, wealth and all that. But um, Shona, do you want to start with just giving a little bit more of an in-depth introduction to who you are, what you do, and if you want to share any of your backstory to why you're passionate and excited to do the work that you're doing now? Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been um, excited about business for a long time. You know, I was that little kid hustling and selling chocolate bars outside the canteen, or I was trying to charge my aunties $1.75 to paint their toenails at Christmas functions and stuff. I've always just loved the idea of running a business. So my first business, I was seven. My sister and I called it Masterpiece Massages and we would, yeah, paint our aunties toenails. And then over the years, I've done lots of businesses a spray tanning company, which has been running for seven years. I also had my own event planning and wedding planning company and have even worked in network marketing and I've been an affiliate for a nutrition company for multiple years as well, which was great. Gave me lots of experience. And so I don't currently run that business anymore, but through working with women in pretty much every business that I'd previously done, there was lots of things that kept popping up for just women in general that I knew and the business coaching clients I was working with. And it was a lot of the same types of issues. It was, I can't afford that. I'm no good with money. I feel so guilty around money. Money makes me feel so scared. And then eventually it just got to this point, you know, and I've been on my own money mindset journey, working through my own money trauma and transforming my relationship with wealth. It just got to this point where it's like, this is what I meant to do. I meant to help all these women overcome this particular roadblock so they can step up and be fully wealthy and empowered and excited around money. And so that's when my business coaching practice really did a complete 180 and we stepped fully into the money mindset space. And it's been the best decision for my soul and for my business that I've ever made. I love that natural evolution and how you've gotten to this really grounded place of knowing exactly what you're here to teach at this time. I would love for you to touch on, I see in your, so the reason that I asked you to be on is because I saw your Instagram handle is sexy underscore selfish. So I would love for you to touch on like this idea of being selfish because it ha- the word sometimes has this negative connotation that, you know, we need to put others first and we need to give and give and give. And I love the like reclamation of the word selfish. So I was wondering if you could touch on why you chose that word and, and what it really means in terms of your business. Yeah. So sexy selfish for me, actually the, 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 it becoming the business name was completely accidental. I had to register for some particular um, group meeting thing. And I had to put like a name in and it was just a particular name that I had shortlisted for the business. I put it in and it actually ended up being the domain name registration. So then I was kind of stuck with it and that's what the business became. But really the idea I was toying with was the whole thing around, you know, when you're selfish for a little part of your day, you can be more selfless for the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. And it was really about encouraging women to recognize that if you take 30 minutes for yourself, and you just be unapologetically selfish and, and nurture and fill your own cup back up and do the things you need to do to move forward, then you are more selfless. Then you're like, then everything works better. And it was taking that, flipping that idea of, oh, you know, selfish is a bad thing and a negative, such negative connotations to it. 
and just actually going selfish, being selfish is really sexy. Like be sexy and be selfish and it's okay. And it's this fun, empowering thing. And that's really the name. And I think for me as well, I wanted my brand to be so much bigger than me. I've done personal branding before and, you know, I've built multiple companies and I wanted my company here, Sexy Selfish, to be something that I could really create a team and a community and bring other people in to help me share this message. So I felt like aligning it with purely Shona Gates coaching or something like that was just not really where I wanted to take it. So Sexy Selfish has worked. It's really triggering for a lot of people, I think, but in a good way. So it works. Yeah, definitely. And I think it ties into, so um, your book, Goodbye Money Guilt, I, I think that's perfect in relation to thinking of this topic of being selfish because often guilt and being selfish kind of interrelates um, when there's some wounded energy around it. So do you want to talk a little bit about your book, Goodbye Money Guilt? And do you want to expand on like where does guilt from money come from? And you mentioned that you healed your own money trauma. So do you want to talk a little bit about like money trauma, how guilt arises? And then maybe after that, we can talk about some of the ways to transform that relationship to transcend the guilt and enter into a really empowering space with money. Fantastic. I, I want to address all of those points. Just keep me on track though, because I'll <laughs> totally go on a tangent. But the book around Goodbye Money Guilt was really that way for me to impact more people. You know, I was working with one-on-one clients quite a lot, you know, high ticket one-on-one clients, having amazing results. But after having, I had another baby, I've got three kids. I had a baby um, December last year. And it really got to that point where I'm like, I don't now have the time to work with one-on-one clients, but I still want to impact people in a huge way. And the entire intention behind my business shifted. So while he napped, I wrote a book and it was published in July. And it was really that way of how can I get some of this foundational knowledge out in the world? Because it took me a long time to go through all those big, heavy, old textbooks about universal intelligence and the real spiritual sides of money. And often they were written by men in the 1800s. So the language is just very different and it's very heavy going. So I just kind of wanted to put everything that I'd learned in a really digestible, palatable, bite-sized way for people to work through. And it's been really, really well received. And obviously calling that goodbye money girl was, you know, I wanted to trigger some people in a way. I didn't want it to be so abundant and fluffy because the work in transforming your relationship with money isn't fluffy. It's, it's deep work. It's tapping into the subconscious. It's, it can be quite draining, to be honest. So I needed to show up with a book that was triggering in that way. So people knew when they picked it up, it was going to not do some damage, but we're going to break shit down before we can build it back up again. Um, And I even included a whole chapter in like, okay, before we go any further, here's what you need to know about what's about to happen. And I feel like that's been um, one of the best choices I made in writing the book. But in terms of money guilt, a lot of it for me came around the idea that I wasn't good with money or, you know, I couldn't handle money. And the reality was I was really good at saving money. Um, But, you know, I never spent it. So anytime I spent it, there was this huge sense of guilt because suddenly my spendings were going down a little bit. And one of the biggest moments for me, I was uh, 18 and, you know, I was driving, um, it was a little Mazda 121 bubble, which is a hideous looking little car, but it was cute and it was cheap and it got me to work and back. But by 19, I'd climbed to the top levels in the company I was working for. I was an optical dispenser with OPSM and Luxottica. And I was essentially managing multiple stores. And it was just, I was already quite young. 
And I think part of me felt like, you know, I attached that to my car. I'm like, people don't respect me seriously because I drive this little bomb of a car and I'm managing these huge teams of people. Looking back, it's like, no, they don't respect you, Shona, because you're 19 and you just came out of nowhere. (laughs) But at the time I attached it to the car. So I went and I blew $15,000 of my personal savings that I'd been saving up my, literally my entire life, my birthday and Christmas money from when I was six and seven. And I bought this brand new shiny car that I thought would make me feel like I was doing the right thing. And that watching my bank account go from $15,000 to nothing was terrifying. I mean, like I had panic attacks for weeks and I created such a story around this that anytime I got more money in my life, there was this idea of like, you can't handle it. It's all going to disappear. Something's going to happen. And it just kept, I kept creating more evidence for myself. You know, every time we got a large tax check-in or once I was married and had kids and stuff, every time we got lots of money in the bank, I would self-sabotage and create a reason for it to disappear. And then the guilt would just pile up even worse and even worse. Like you're so bad with money. You can't handle it. Every time you buy something, you screw yourself over down the track. Like you just can't deal with it. But it got to the point where I couldn't afford toilet paper. (laughs) My card got declined trying to buy toilet paper once. And I sat in the car and like cried for 20 minutes with my kids in the back seat, like, mom, what's going on? Um, And I just basically vowed never again. I'm going to fix whatever this is that keeps bringing me back to the same place. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to work through this feeling of guilt and fear. And I have to change it now for me and for my kids. And then I promised myself that if I did manage to figure it out, I was going to share it with as many women as I possibly could. So, and that was really the, the trigger that helped me. Okay. You're never coming back to this place again. We're breaking the cycle. Let's do it for good. And yeah, let's fix this. Mm, I love that so much. So do you want to talk about what are some of the ways that you personally, and that you teach now, what are some of the ways that you did shift that relationship from going from like fear and guilt and this mindset of that you can't handle money or you can't hold wealth. Yeah. Do you want to share like some? Absolutely. And I I would always like shameless book plug here, but that's essentially what the book is, is my personal method for how I transform my relationship with money and how I take my clients through it too. So if you want to go deeper into this, that's literally what the book is for. Um, But it always starts with like a a level of acceptance. Like this is where I'm at now. And I acknowledge everything I've done up to this point has got me here, but I'm ready to create a different path. And I think, you know, in every 12 step program, um, you have to accept where you're currently at. So I feel like that's always the first step. And then what I get my clients to do and what I did myself, the very first activity I did around money was I wrote a letter to money, which I heard about in a training by, Molly Sapp, I think she's a, a coach. I haven't actually looked at this. This is the only training of hers I've ever watched. And she mentioned this letter to money. It changed my life. I wrote a letter to money and it was the most toxic, neglectful, hateful thing that I've ever written in my life. And it was just me being honest about how I felt about money. And that's when it was like a lightning bolt hit me and went, oh my God, if this is the way I'm treating money, if this is my energy towards money, no wonder it doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Because if I scrubbed out dear money and I wrote dear Aaron, who's my husband or dear Eric, who's my eldest son. And I gave them this letter, they would pack their bags and leave my life so fast. So essentially that's what I was doing to money. So that's kind of the next step I take my clients through, which can be really emotional and then recognizing, you know, just recognizing where you're at. And then we use that money letter to identify some key phrases and feelings 
and essentially start to identify why you are where you are, the mindset that you currently have versus what you want to achieve. And then we look into the limiting beliefs around money that you have. So this is all subconscious kind of diving into, and it's basically just asking yourself, why do I feel that way? Why do I think that way? Why do I react that way? And where does that come from? Like, what is the root? Where did I first learn that? You know, I feel like people with wealth are really dirty and greedy and evil. Why do I feel that? Where does that come from? Oh, that comes from all the movies I watched as a kid. You know, I was obsessed with the movies, The Little Rascals, and the bad guy in that was the little wealthy rich kid's son. And so I have this subconscious programming that rich people are bad. And once you can just identify it and call awareness to it, then you can rewrite the next step. And we obviously do a lot of forgiveness exercises as well, because you have to forgive yourself for all your past money mistakes. Sometimes you have to forgive your parents and your educators and your teachers, the people that kind of gave you that programming as a young child around, you know, does wealth equal bad? Does wealth equal good? So forgiveness is quite a big part of it. And then we choose to rewrite that. We choose, okay, I've, I've torn down the beliefs that I currently had. I've identified which ones I want to keep and which ones are no longer serving me. Now, what do I want to create moving forward? What do I get to choose happens next? Because, you know, your thoughts create your reality. So let's choose some new thoughts. And that's essentially the process that I took myself through. And that's exactly what I teach and take my clients through as well now. Yeah, I love that. And if anyone's listening and being like, yes, yes, resonating so much, definitely buy a copy of the book. I will put a link in the show notes for that. I wanted to ask, so... I want to ask, why do you feel like money is such a triggering topic? And there is so, so much conditioning. Like you said, you watched a movie and like connected that annoying little rich kid to views about money. And like, when I think about so many movies I watched growing up, like the evil person tends to be like this rich billionaire, like with this evil plan. And, you know, like we connect money with power and then there's our family conditioning and and all these things. But money is essentially like a made up, like something we made an energy in its essence. So what's your perspective around why it can be so triggering and confronting for people to really face their actual relationship with it? Because everything you just described is like, it's pretty like simple steps, like simple doesn't mean it's easy but it is like everyone has the capacity to go through those mindset mindset and practical shifts but not everyone is necessarily willing to so do you want to talk around this topic of like why is it so hard for some people to really own and accept their relationship and to move forward with it Absolutely. And I think it really comes down to the fact that what's easy to do is also easy not to do. Mm. And so, and you know, everyone, and that's the thing I do actually talk about this a lot in the book. Like I don't have the secret. This is not some new magical thing. This knowledge has been around for hundreds of years. It's just that it's, it's there for us to take, but often we don't, you know, things pop up in the way. We have one negative comment from a family member. We get busy. We have life moments pop up or we have our own subconscious blocks that kind of sabotage us and put us back a few steps. So it's really hard to do without support. I was really lucky to have support from my family and I'm also just really stubborn. So once I dived into this work, 
I was never going back to the way it was before. But often in cases, I think people do need a bit of a support network and a community and someone else going through the same thing. It's kind of like starting a new lifestyle change. You know, I'm going to give up a couple of coffees or I'm going to give up smoking or, you know, uh, things like that. You have to have that support around you to be able to do it or you have to have really, really amazing willpower, which let's be honest, hardly anyone has unless you're just stubborn AF like I am. But I think the reason why in my experience and working with my clients and and my network is really around the fact that money and sex, I feel are two of the things in life that can bring us the greatest joy, but also the greatest frustration. And they can add so much value to our life, but also if we don't get it right, it can take a lot of energy and time and joy out of our life too. And yet with money and sex, these are two things that, they're not talked about openly. It's still very taboo. And like, here I am, I'm a woman talking about money and talking about sex, like super triggering, super Mm. taboo. Right. So a lot of us, it's, we just expected to know about it and understand about great sex and and understand Mm. about money without ever actually having someone teach us, show us, mentor us. And so I think that's a lot, that's a place where we hold a lot of trauma and shame and we feel even kind of suffocated that we can't even speak about it, can't even ask for help because it's just something you should magically know how to do, but Mm -hmm. often that's not the case. And so we learn from, you know, in terms of sex, people learn from, from porn or talking to their girlfriends and stuff, or in terms of money, we learn from no one and we just kind of mess it up again and again and again until someone tries to, until we are forced to get it right, you know, we end up bankrupt or our super ends up getting not taken care of, you know, some family crisis happens and then we're forced to have a look at it. So that's kind of what I feel. I'd be interested in hear your, hearing your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I agree with so much of that. And before I started really intentionally building a relationship with money, I had this kind of this mentality that I want to do it all by myself. Like I want to figure it out. And I, my previous professional life was as an accountant and like there's kind of this mentality, this like thought that accountants are really good with money, but like accounting is actually not about personal money at all. Oh, honey, you have no idea how many of my clients are financial advisors and accountants, <laughs> business owners that deal with money and law and stuff. So many, it, your relationship with money is, is different to the way you actually manage your money sometimes. So you can have yes. the, a professional in the money industry, a wealth creating industry and still have a fucked up relationship with money. Definitely. And I had so much shame around it. And I got to this point where I was in so much debt and like, I, my relationship with money was just like, I felt so out of control and yeah, it was kind of like my financial rock bottom. When I reflect back, this was like three and a half ish years ago now, but I just had so much shame and I didn't want to reach out for help. Cause I thought, no, like I'm an intelligent person that helps other people with money so I can, you know, work this out on myself. But there was so much power when I actually just surrendered that and, got support because other people that have really amazing relationships with money always have something to teach us. So I allowed myself to enter containers for other people to support and guide me and through picking up certain things, but also developing my relationship with myself um, and my money, like I was able to form a really strong foundation and then build from there. 
I um, do you have anything else to say around this? Because I w- I would love to kind of yeah. like this conversation slightly. Just that it's very powerful to actually put your hand up, be a little bit vulnerable, and say I don't know how to do this, and can I please ask for help? And that was one of the biggest steps. Was actually going, you know what? And, and coming from when I made this transition into oh my god, I need to work on my money mindset. It was interesting. I would just come out of a network marketing business, which I don't know if you have much experience with that, but it's very much look at me and look how much money I make because that's how you bring other people into the network marketing. And I was making a lot of money, but there was this element of humility when you have to say, yeah, I had a $17,000 a month and then next month I made $21 mm-hmm. and I still have a toxic relationship with money if I have $50,000 in the bank and a toxic relationship when I've had $2.75 and couldn't buy toilet paper. So at this one point, it doesn't become about the money. It's it, manifesting more money and, and, you know, creating a healthy relationship with money actually has nothing to do with the money, right? That's just a tool and a resource. But yeah, it's, it's putting your hand. And I think for in every aspect, especially for women, there's this sense of freedom and power that actually comes from being a little bit more vulnerable mm. and saying, I, I need help with this. I'm, it's something I'm practicing. I'm a very type A masculine energy, independent, get shit done, not happy unless I have multiple projects on the go. And there's, I'm finding this softness and this femininity, if that's even a word, in just saying, I need help. It's incredibly powerful. You step up to a whole nother level as like a total queen when you actually say, uh, no, I don't have it all together and I need some assistance. <laughs> Yes. I love that. I completely agree. I would, so I would love, you mentioned that money and sex can bring the greatest joy and also the greatest frustration. Do you, in your teachings about money, do you talk about money and sex together? If you have anything to comment on the relationship between the two, I would love for you to touch on that. It's something I'm still learning and exploring myself. And it's not something I've, I've like formalized into any of my teachings. Apart like we do touch on some orgasmic medita- um, manifestation, which I think is really powerful and profound. It certainly has been for me and for my clients that are open-minded to trying that. It's really powerful as well. But that's probably about the only formalized conversation we have. I have a membership, the Sexy Selfish Elite, where we do um, Q&A sessions. And often this type of question comes up a lot in that. So it's not something I like specifically have an answer for, but we certainly do talk about it a lot because I believe there's a direct, there is a direct link in how free and how open you are, um, you know, in your money. And, but money can relate to lots of different areas. Like for me, my relationship with money was directly linked to my relationship with food. That was a big one. You know, I battled an eating disorder on and off for 20 years. And it was realizing that the sense of restriction that my eating disorder gave me and control and, you know, lack of, I don't have to think about making decisions because it's just how many, how the least amount of calories I can consume a day. That was the goal. And realizing that a really restrictive budget or living on barely anything gave me the same level of, it's like, I want to say freedom, but it's, it's, it didn't give me freedom but it made me feel free because I didn't have to really think about everything. It created this rules and structure and restriction. That's what I felt comfortable in. So my direct link was between money and food. I think some people's direct link is between money and sex, money and their self image, money and their relationship with their parents. Like there's lots of different connections, but basically the idea that money ripples out to every other aspect of our life. Mm, yes that's such a good point and I always think that like 
when we look at external goals and money can be a focus for external goals. Like I want to make this much or I want to live in this type of house and I require this much resources and whatever else. But I always think that our answers are always found within the body. So it's, it's really interesting that you brought up your relationship was with food because, you know, our relationship with food is really communicated through the body as it is with sex and body image and all of that. And if we heal those aspects, it, it always ripples through our relationship with wealth to some degree, if wealth is an external goal focus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that core of abundance is money is the tool and resource to give us that security and that feeling of abundance. But really the feeling of abundance comes from us and from all different aspects, not just necessarily monetary value. Mm. Um, but it's, it's the language about how like some, I think, what I've tried to achieve with my book is very talking as if you know anyone could pick it up and they've never touched any spiritual training before. They've never read universe has your back. They've never even used the word the universe and give them the same teachings in a language that's really common. Mm. I think that was the main intention and goal. So it's, it's the same idea spread through everything. It's just the language is a little bit different. Yeah. But yes, I definitely and something I want to explore more is the chakra bases with mm. um, in your con- connections to wealth, in your connections to that type of healing. Um, but for me in the work that I teach, it's very much uh, conscious tapping into the subconscious. And the next step for me is that tapping into the physical body. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that is a, a good process. And I love the way you've approached your book because I think that is will be such a beautiful starting point for so many people around the world. So I hope so. A good kick up the butt for a lot of people. Amazing. Is there anything that you would really love to touch on or talk about before we wrap up? I think just finding, finding your support community is really important for a lot of people on any particular journey, you know, whether you're on your spiritual journey, uh, healing your food relationship, healing your money relationship, working on cultivating better relationships, whatever it is, I think having other people alongside you, not necessarily on the same journey, but who can support and be your cheerleader is really important. And you have to be careful who you share that journey with. You know, in the early days when I started sharing some of my money stuff with people, they were like, what are you talking about? Are you on crack? You know, and it can make you feel, it can make you second guess yourself and take a step back and self-sabotage in that next level. So just curate and be careful who you share your journey with, you know, choose to share those experiences and things you're learning about with the cheerleaders, don't share them with the detractors. And even if those detractors are sometimes your family and the closest people around you, you don't have to share that with them yet because they might not be ready to support you in the way that you need. And I just feel like if everyone could go into those types of spiritual journeys, knowing that it'll probably save us a lot of heartache. Mm, Definitely. I love that. I completely agree. Um, so Shana, would you love to finish us off with just sharing where everyone can find you online, where they can connect with you? And, you know, we've already talked about your book, but is there any other ways people can get support or guidance from you? Awesome. Thank you. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm an Instagram girl. That's the place where I hang out quite a lot and I love my community over there. So it's at sexy underscore selfish. So I love responding to DMs. I love just connecting with people on Instagram. That's my main jam. Um, also have a Facebook page, you know, LinkedIn, all the, all the other bases are covered. And I do actually have a podcast as well, which I share two episodes a month where we talk about money mindset work. Um, and that's on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. And of course the book, the book was my big offer 
offering out to the world. So yeah, it's available on Amazon, eBay, worldwide, and your, your favorite book retailer, basically, you'll be able to find it there. Um, and yeah, that's, I think, that's, I think, all the places. Obviously, we've got a website too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Instagram's where we hang out and do all the good stuff. Amazing. And all those links will be in the show notes for everyone. I just want to say thank you so much, Shona, for being here. I've loved this conversation around money so much. I'm super excited to read a copy of your book as well. So thank you so much for being here and sharing and doing all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much, Rachel, for allowing me to play a part of the platform and hopefully adding a lot of value to your listeners.